Welcome to Miami Global Net Podcast, where we showcase the people and organizations that support Miami's international landscape. Learn from local business owners, startups, diplomats, and community leaders. Get to know the tools and services that are out there that help you invest and grow in South Florida. Miami is a true global city where one can live and do business with a global reach. All right, Miamians and listeners from around the world, welcome to another episode of Miami Global Net. We are back with our friends at the EACC, the European American Chamber of Commerce here in Florida with a new guest. We have Christina Slesinska. She's going to introduce our guest. So thank you again, EACC, for bringing us another wonderful guest. Hello, my name is Christina Slezinska. I'm the executive director of the EACC Florida. We're the Florida chapter of the European American Chamber of Commerce, a platform where Americans and Europeans connect to do business. EACC provides resources, education, and updates on regulatory and legal developments of relevance to the transatlantic business community. We organize events on issues of interest or constituency and offer unique connections and networking opportunities. We're very happy to partner with Miami Global Net and Alejandro Cervalli on this podcast series of deep dives focusing on big picture issues and how they affect transatlantic business activities. On this deep dive, we will be discussing taxation and how companies engaged in transatlantic business can navigate an evolving and increasingly complex international accounting and tax landscape. For this deep dive, our guide will be Olivier Sureau, an expert comptable diplomé in France and a certified public accountant here in Florida with 20 years of experience in international taxation. Olivier and two partners founded Jade Associates in New York and Miami, which is now part of the Fiduso Group with a presence in major US, French and Latin American cities. Jade is a member of EACC Florida. So now, without further ado, I'll pass the floor to Alejandro Cervalli, our host here at Miami Global Net. Christina, thank you so much for the wonderful introduction. Oliver, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm fine. What about you, Alejandro? Thank you for, uh, thank you for being here today. And thank you, Christina. Oliver, so before, before we jump in, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you originally from? So I'm from around Paris. So uh, I've been, uh, I'm a French, uh, I was born in France like a couple of years ago. And I moved to the US uh, in 2000, actually, uh, end of uh, 1999, beginning of 2000. And uh, I've been living in New York for a couple of years and moved to Florida about 2000, uh, 2004, 2003. And uh, being in Florida and, uh, and I founded Jade uh, back in 2003. And uh, I love Florida. It's a great state to do business and of course to live. <clears throat> it's a really nice city, it's a really nice state. And of course, Miami is a great city uh, to be here. Awesome, well, welcome. Well, I mean, you've been here for some time already, but it's great <laughs> to have you. Thank you. So let's, let's jump right in into this deep dive of transatlantic taxation. So what are some of the key differences between the tax systems in the EU and in the United States? I'm so, yeah, so many, you know, of course, when we're coming from Europe, you know, in Europe, we're always thinking that everything's going to be more complex, like uh, taxation uh, in Europe and in each country. We have a, a big uh, compliance, a lot of taxation. And when we're moving to the US, we're always thinking, especially uh, French, German, Spanish, that everything's going to be more simple. 
And in fact, unfortunately, when moving to the US, we have a more and more complexity. And the main difference, I would say, between EU and, uh, and, uh, and United States is like the level of taxation. Why? Because we have what we call in the US a territoriality. What, what does it mean? It means that on the top, you have what we call the federal taxation, which is wherever you are in the United States, you're going to have to pay tax on it. Either way, on an individual side, on the business side, you're going to have to pay tax in the US. But the most difficult part is you have to pay a tax as well at the state level and sometimes in the city level. level. Meaning, for example, if you're living in New York City, on the top of the federal taxation, you have to pay income tax in the state of New York and in the city of New York. So companies that coming in the US or people coming in the US, at the end, when you're adding up all those taxation, it could be a huge difference. This is why it's really important to check where you want to settle your business, where you want to settle your family in the US. Because for example, in Florida, besides the federal taxation, we have only the state taxation, which is kind of even low, but we're gonna, think, we're gonna discuss about that after. But that's the main difference. So I would say complexity, and we're gonna, we're gonna talk about it later, but as well compliance, it's the main difference based mainly on the fact that we have different level of taxation in the US. So it's really important for people coming here to know uh, this kind of, uh, I would say complexity uh, before moving to the US. Are there, are there any big differences between the taxation in the U.S. and any particular in country in the, in the European Union, like France, for example? For example, we have, a, I would say, corporate tax. More and more, uh, we are more close, closer and closer, meaning as a corporate tax rate. Because, for example, right now in the U.S., the current tax rate is 21% for corporate, uh, corporate income tax at the federal level. I'm not talking about state level, but at the federal level, we have about 21% of tax. We might see a little increase uh, with the new legislation that should pass at a point. But uh, what has been said, we should be around 25% of the corporate income tax rate on an average. Um, in France, for example, right now, we used to be at 33%, but we have been decreasing gradually the taxation in France. So right now, the current level of taxation in France is 28%, but it's going to go down to 25%. So I, I would say corporate income tax is kind of the same same one but the main difference is social taxes of course in europe we have a lot of health insurance protection benefits and and uh, but the consequence of that is that we have more social taxes if you are comparing for example france and the us in the us a business paying about between eight and nine percent of uh, social taxes uh, an employee is paying between around seven percent seven to 8% of social taxes in the US. In France, if you have an employee, you're paying 20%. If you, have an, if you are an employer, you are paying between 40 and 50% on the payroll that we are paying uh, to you. So that's one of the key differences. Uh, when we're moving taxation, it could be even lower in, uh, in Europe comparing to the US because we have a lot of, um, I would say sometimes more favorable deduction in Europe. But when you had in up the social taxes, we are on a much higher level of taxation in Europe. But be careful. The downside of this is we have a lot of advantage in Europe as an employee. In US, you don't have an, an advantage. So 
you have to pay health insurance for your employee. You have to pay retirement for your employees. So if you're adding up everything, mm. still we are lower, but we are not so far. So that's why usually we're making big difference. Oh, but in Europe, we pay a lot more social taxes, which is true. But be careful when you're comparing two systems, you have to take everything around and all the benefits you are paying to your employees. So that's why it's really important to check one by one all these kind of differences. So I would say corporate income tax, uh, I know we're going to talk about that after in the last points, but more and more the big country try, try to align in, in the corporate rate. We have some advantage in each country, of course, but globally, if we're talking about trade, we are closer and closer. Besides the fact that in US, again, be careful, you have to add state tax and sometimes city tax. So when you're adding up, adding up at the end, US could be a much higher corporate income tax rate or even, even individual income tax rate. But social taxes, for me, that's, uh, that's the main difference. Okay. I, I don't know if you mentioned it, but it's here in the United States, we have the federal taxation, the state, and sometimes cities, right? depending on, on where you are. Yeah. In, in Europe, do you see something similar in terms of the layers? No, usually no. No, usually in Europe, for example, in France, we don't have this kind of uh, different things because it's one country. So usually mm. it's not federation. So usually we don't have uh, that kind of differences uh, in Europe. Uh, in Europe, uh, we have some country like Switzerland, but it's different. But we have country like Switzerland that is similar because in Switzerland, mm. which is different, but Switzerland, we have some like a federal taxation and a, and a state taxation in Switzerland. But meaning the big country in Europe is not. Uh, it's not. It's not like that level of. Uh, of taxation. Got it. Do do cities in France tax? The city in France, no, they're not taxing. No, they're not taxing. They're paying property tax. You have to pay property tax or tangible tax when you're in a business. So tangible tax, for example, it's like if you have employees, if you have furnitures, every year you have to pay a percentage of the salary paid and a percentage of the furniture, the fixed asset you have in your business. But you don't have uh, income tax in the city in France, as well that in the what we call region, we don't have income tax as well. So many that the same kind of system in Europe, uh, because uh, of course, here in the US, it's a federation of states. So each state has a strict budget and the main income of the states are property tax and income tax. It's different in France because if France um, have many grants receiving from the country so so that's the main the key difference uh, of it uh, and as as well you have to remember the in us if we're talking about average in, in us about 24 percent of the gross domestic produce gross domestic product the gdp uh, is coming from taxation in europe it's about 38 percent so in europe mainly because of the taxation we can finance a lot of things in Europe. In US, it's different. We have a lot of uh, private sector financing uh, some investments. Got it. Cool. What about, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges that companies that want to come to the US face with the US taxation? So I would say two, two, two kind of things. It's, it's like when you come in, like I was saying in the introduction, when you come into the US, you're always thinking it's going to be first more simple. And, and secondly, uh, when you come into the US, you're always thinking that your business is going to be successful because you were su su successful in, uh, in Europe. Uh, so first, the main challenging is like to find the right balance in your organization between, uh, I would say, European uh, executive and US executive. Never uh, starting a business in the US 
by having only European executives. That's the main mistakes we're doing when we come into the US as a European uh, companies. Second uh, main challenge, I would say, it's financing. When you're coming to the US, you're thinking that you're going to be able to go to a bank, to go to uh, uh, somebody to say, okay, I want, I'm go I want to a uh, line of credit. I want a loan to finance my business. Here in the US, we have what we call the credit history. And if you have a foreigner, if you are a company with, for, on which the main shareholder are European people or foreigners, no banks will give you some money. So main challenge for the, I would say for the business coming here is for the financing. You have to make sure that you are a strong group that can finance your uh, cash flow in the US because you will not find any, uh, in, I would say, financial incentive in the US from bank. You can find some incentive from the state of Florida, of course, uh, like uh, from the state to boost your business, to help you, some tax credits, this kind of help, but you will not have some loan because you are a foreign business. And that's the main things usually when you come in here. It's like, be careful about financing. Last things, be careful about compliance. Um, uh, US is a compliance country. Whatever we're thinking when coming from Europe, we're thinking it's going to be simple. Believe me, I've been working in the two main systems for the past 20 years. US for me is the most, what is the most complex tax system because of compliance. You basically, you have to report everything to the US government. If you have any foreign investment, if you have any foreign business, if you have any foreign account, we're going to talk about the fact after, you have to report. And usually when you're coming to Europe, we say, oh, it's okay, I forgot to, uh, I forgot to report this kind of investment. The consequences are huge in the US because compliance, you cannot make compliance one year, two years after. You have to make compliance whenever you move into the US, you have to make sure you did not forget anything. So I would say compliance is really important. Just to give an example, in the tax uh, cut uh, job hacks that we got from the pre pre previous president, we got a new law called uh, what we call guilty tax. It's uh, what we call global intangible low taxable income. What the main uh, things for that kind of tax was to say, okay, we want to help business in the US having coming back, moving back the money in the US. So guys, if tomorrow a company like Apple have some dividend, some big uh, uh, accumulated earnings in one of the subsidiary, for example, in France, what's that law say? Okay, you can repatriate your earnings without paying any income tax. So any tax on dividends, you're gonna move back to the US. But the downside of it is say that in the future, any income you're gonna make outside of the US, even if it is through a subsidiaries, if in this country, you're gonna pay less than 90% than of the current corporate tax in the US, you're gonna to have to pay the difference in the US. And that's why we call in, the, in our business guilty tax because it's, it's really a guilty tax. And a lot of business moving from Europe to the US, they don't realize that sometimes they might be subject to that guilty tax because they have foreign entities and they have a US business. And that one, it's a huge thing. We have so many, even big business and, uh, moving to the US, forget that law and they don't report that kind of income and they have to pay a lot of tax on it and that potentially they could face a lot of penalties. So we have a more and more complexity and on the next legislation, we're expecting to have even more complexity 
on the international part. Now remember, US part is one thing, but international part, international taxation is a huge complexity in the US. And for the past five years, it has been more and more complex. Even the previous administration and the current administration, they have the same vision on that side. They want to have more and more complexity. They want to make sure they can more, more and more money on international transactions. So European business moving to the US, they have to face that challenge as well. You mentioned financing at the beginning. Does the, the challenge of finding financing vary by the company's size? I, I want to say that maybe a more established company that comes here has a reputation already in their country that maybe a larger bank who has presence in that country could could give that. Zach, 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 you're right, Alejandro, mm-hmm. that could help you. But at the end, they're going to they're gonna ask for kind of uh, guarantees, you know, uh, like a letter of credit from the foreign bank to make sure that you can have that loan. But believe me, it's going to be really, really complex because even in our biggest clients, uh, it's a huge complex. And second things, right now, if you want to make a loan in the US, a business loan, current rate, let's say it's about 6%. Europe, if you want to make a loan, it's less than 1%. And I'm talking about business. So in Europe, if you are, if you are a business, you can, you, can have, uh, you can finance your activity basically without paying almost any interest meaning that only less than 1%, imagine. So I'm financing in Europe an activity. I'm paying 1%. In the US, even if I'm successful, the cost of financing is huge, 6%. And remember, the federal bank rates are even lower in the US compared to Europe, but the rates that have been practicing the bank is much higher in the US. So the cost of financing is really important as well because you're right to point that you could be successful, but after when you're going to see the level of financing the rate, the interest rate in the US, some people are going to say, okay, I'm going to try to find uh, to have a financing with my bank in France, in Germany, because it's less than 1%. Even I have one client, I think it was in Germany, it was 0.25% rate, imagine, which is like for free. Enfin, we're giving you money for free, uh, basically. That's the main difference as well if you want to invest here and, and have leverage with financing. I almost feel like startups should go to Europe to get financing. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about FATCA, which is the the Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act, right? Which affects a lot of people. But can you tell us a little bit, what what is FATCA? So FATCA, that's a law that was uh, passed by uh, President Obama in 2011. And basically... What says that laws, the goal of that laws is to um, force uh, any foreign bank uh, account uh, on which uh, any US person has uh, a bank account on this uh, kind of banks to report automatically to the US government all the information about these bank accounts. So the, that was the goal of uh, we want any bank outside of the United States where there is banks accounts owned by US person to report automatically. This is really important on the term automatically because usually when you have agreement between, between countries, it's, uh, it's uh, if any country asks the other country, they provide the information. In that law, it's like automatically every year, the bank 
has to report, the foreign bank has to report to the US uh, government. And we have about, I would say about, I think as of today, it's about 120 countries uh, passed an agreement with the IRS uh, we, for the FATCA. So if you're in Switzerland, Singapore, Hong Kong, Panama, Bahamas, all those countries, those banks have to follow that law. Really important. It's almost all the countries sign an agreement with the US government. A lot of people are saying, no, we don't have to sign an agreement. They sign an agreement. And the things of it, really important that Europe at the beginning was against FATCA because they said, we don't want to promulgate FATCA. After that, they say, okay, it's a good idea, but we want reciprocity, meaning that if our bank giving you information, we want US bank to give us information. So the US government said, no problem, we're gonna find a reciprocity, but we need to pass that clause at the Senate and that's the chamber as well. So uh, they said, we signed the agreement, but you just need to pass that clause. And during that time, President Obama has a midterm election and the Republicans came on board and they said, we will never pass that reciprocity. So today we have the FATCA, which is rolling right now. So European bank has no choice to report to the US government, the bank accounts owned by US person. But on the other side, US bank does not have the obligation because that law was never passed here in the US which is, that's why Europe is really, really mad about it right now. There is a lot of debate uh, at the Conseil de l'Europe because they say uh, it's not fair. We sign an agreement of reciprocity and it's working on only one side. So that's just for the few, the, the, the things to know. I mean, I, I want to say, does that, does that mean that at some point if, if, there, if we do not activate that or a side of the, of the deal, will that terminate the, the deal? That's the European was trying to say, but you know how the US government can be so strong and so huge that I think that they have no choice right now to, mm. to even if you don't have any reciprocity, unless all the European countries can get come together strong, but I doubt it. I doubt mm. it. Got it. What about on an individual level? FATCA has been a challenge for U.S. citizens living abroad, accidental, accidental Americans, European residents in the U.S., and U.S. citizens who may still hold assets in Europe. Yeah, so you, you, have, to, you have to understand that U.S. tax system is a kind of, a, like I said before, it's complex, but we have one big particularity in the U.S. It's like if you are U.S. citizen or sometimes even a green card uh, living uh, outside of the U.S., whatever, how many days you're spending in the U.S., you are with all your life will be considered a U.S. person, a U.S. tax resident, meaning that you're going to have to pay your tax on your worldwide income. So tomorrow I'm a U.S. myself and French citizen. But if tomorrow I decide to go to back to live in France, not doing anything anymore with the U.S., still I'm going to have to report, do a U.S. income tax in the U.S. and pay my tax in the U.S. And part of that FATCA rule saying that if you are a US person, so different scenario, US citizen living abroad or a US person living in the US, you have to report your foreign bank accounts. So every year, I'm going to have to report if my bank accounts are above a certain level, I'm going to have to report to the IRS, huh? that's uh, Internal Revenue Service Centers. Every year, I'm going to do my tax return and say, okay, I'm a US person, living in the US or US citizen living in France, for example, I have to report every year 
my maximum balance of my foreign bank. If I'm not doing that, I know that I'm going to get caught because remember, I insist it's an automatically exchange information, meaning that the French bank, for example, or Genbank bank is going to send the information at a point to the IRS. So if I don't do that on a tax return, the IRS is going to say, okay, I have an information, just, I just received an information for, from a Genbank bank that US citizen or have 100,000 in Germany, but we don't see any tax returns in the US. He never reported. So it's going to come, the IRS is going to knock at your door, say, uh, listen, you didn't report it. I didn't know. That's not our concern. You can face up to 50% of the amount you not reported. So imagine, I'm not talking about income. I'm talking about I have 100,000 in a bank account in Germany. If I don't do that, I might potentially, I can have to pay 50,000. So half of my savings in that bank, I would have to pay as a penalty in the US. So that's the main challenge that we have to make sure that we have to report it. If we don't do it, that's it. I mean, I, I was going to ask you how serious this is. I mean, from 50, that's very serious, those penalties. You have. <laughs> remember, remember the US, uh, we all have been living in a long time in the US. And for in the US, we cannot say, I would say right in France, we always say, I didn't know. In US, that's not a good excuse. In France, it could be. <laughs> but in the US, didn't know it's a lying, it's a lying. Even if you don't know, you lie. Not intentionally, but you lied at the end because you did not report to the to the authority. So it could be really serious because you could face, face monetary penalties. But if the IRS can prove that you knew, like I, I, I saw some people in the past say, I will never get caught. I don't want to report that to the IRS. So if the IRS can prove that you knew, is there any correspondence with your CPA or any information? Is there new that you are aware of it? You can have. Uh, what I call um, uh, you can face you can face jail time as well. It's really serious, you know. You know, for a small a small uh, uh, like anecdote. Remember that a guy like um, Al Capone. We all know Al Capone. Remember that Al Capone he get caught not for the crime he commits physically for the people he killed because he hide money outside of the U.S. That's how they caught him, you know. And we've been seeing in the past some politicians, some people the level of pressure they put for them to cooperate you know, for the investigation is because they, they saw that money was outside of the US, never reporting to the uh, IRS. So it's really, really serious. The, you, uh, people does not realize it's really serious, uh, this kind of situation, uh, this kind of situation. How many people would you say are affected by this? Uh, right now, what, what we know, just for example, as an example, uh, we have about, I think, 9 million US citizens living abroad. 9 million citizens living abroad. But on that number, if you're adding up all the people living in the US that are US person having bank account outside, I would, I, would, I would double that number at least. So I would say about at least 20 million of people are concerned about that clause. Just to know that you can always uh, make uh, what we call, um, um, you can, you can you, by yourself, you can go to the RSA. I, I, I forgot to report. So you have special compliance program to do, like amnesty program, on which you always say, okay, we can understand you have in a, in a special situation. Let's give an example. I was born in the US, but I never make a footstep in the US, but my parents were at that time in the US. So without my knowledge, I'm a US citizen. So I have to report that bank account. I never did it. I can go to see the IRS, say, I didn't know. The IRS will tell you, okay, you are in good faith, so 
put back all your crop compliance work. Let's adjust the last six years of your return. Let's report your last six years of your foreign bank account, and you will not have penalties, and we can move back. But, uh, but if I'm not doing that, not only, I have to remember that not only you face consequences at the US government, but in France as well. Remember in France, they potentially the banks, all the banks, uh, all the countries that signed, signed the FATCA agreement, all of the bank, if they're not in compliance, they're not report, they faced huge penalties, meaning that right now we have many banks in Europe saying, oh, you are a US person, we don't want you anymore. You cannot have a bank account. You cannot invest. You cannot do anything. If, imagine, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a French guy. I was born in US, but I didn't know. The bank don't tell you, you living in, in France, you don't living, you never met a footstep outside. You cannot do anything in France because you're a US person. So we can have a bank account because it's so complex for the bank. We can face penalties. We don't want to do that. And you cannot invest in any European securities, uh, stocks, or these kind of things. So the consequences as well, it's huge because as a US citizen, not only I have to report, I can have penalties, but the bank is going to tell me we don't want we don't want you anymore as a client, which is right now it's a huge problem. It's a huge problem for many, many people, even for people that are going to move back. Like, let's say I've been living my sense in 20, for 20 years in the US. I became a US citizen or US green card. I go back to France, potentially. I don't have a lot of options to open a bank account or to make investment in France, even if I'm going to live in France. That's, that's why it's, it's really, it's an issue. Hopefully, what we hope that the European bank or all the banks are going to be more and more flexible, meaning that they're going to get, get more and more used to do the compliance work. So hopefully, maybe we're going to have more flexibility. But but it's a, it's a, it's an issue uh, it's an issue and honestly even the bank are completely paranoid you know par paranoid about that because they're always thinking oh U.S. person we don't want you oh you have a visa but no but I just have a, a work permit for the U.S. for going one month per year no we don't care for us you U.S. person we don't want you as a customer so that's that's potentially you that's why it's really important to make sure you have people know uh, the the laws, you know, the tax laws, because uh, you have to uh, you have to do that on a yearly basis. Report all your, your bank account, all your foreign investment, like security stocks, because you can have penalties. So I know that we're running out of time. I have one more question for you. Uh, I know that at the international level, there's been new agreements and proposals regarding tax regulations. Can you share with us one of them? Yeah, so as you know, we have a lot of tax competition in the world between uh, countries that try to have business coming in the country, so they're trying to attract with a lower corporate income tax rate. We have a lot of issues with offshore companies that the companies in the US or Europe uh, do setting up and business in offshore companies to lower their taxes. So basically, what main countries have decided is to stop tax competition or <clears throat> minimize tax competition and, and push the business in the countries to pay tax in the countries and not setting business in other countries to avoid taxation is to create a minimum taxation of 15%, like saying that all the countries who reach, reach signed that agreement, which is a lot of countries, mainly almost all the countries, decide to say, we engage by signing that agreement that to impose a minimum corporate income tax of 15%. 15 is a level of taxation that most countries thinking that uh, 
having doing that is you're not going to a country to pay 15% and save only 5% of tax. So that's why they decide. And it was like a really historical because it's the first that many countries say, okay, we are saying that we, we are engaged and we signing an agreement to state that we're gonna have at least a 15% corporate income tax rate in our country. And that's the main goal of that, uh, that legislation, again, is to avoid tax competition between all those countries and avoid, of course, pushing business, evade uh, paying taxes in the, in the country where they're actually making business, having the customer, and especially right now with all the digitalization of, uh, of the economy, uh, a lot of uh, startup or a lot of companies uh, not paying tax in the country where they're making business. So, so that's why it's, it was really a first huge step that was a lot of we can, we saw in the media. It was an historical step. We don't know yet how it's going to be done, the way it's going to be done. But it's a huge, huge step having a 15% minimum tax, uh, meaning that uh, less tax competition and pushing business to pay tax in the country where they're making business actually. Oliver. Christina, thank you so much to, for, for you. spending the time, Oliver, with us and explaining this very interesting topic of, of taxes, which is, is it is like, what, what is the saying? Two things are guaranteed, death and taxes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right? So it's very important. Very important. Oliver, thank you for joining us. I'm going to hand it over to, the, uh, to Christina, the executive director of the EACC, for some closing comments. Yeah, thank you, Alejandro. I agree. I mean, I actually uh, never expected um, uh, what you know, many would consider a very dry topic, that of taxation, to lead us to Al Capone, accidental Americans, fat cats. So it was a very interesting conversation. So thank you. Many thanks, Alejandro. So again, for inviting EACC Florida to partner with Miami Global Net uh, on this last deep dive of the, the of our series on, on taxation. And uh, many uh, thanks uh, to Olivier Sureau uh, from Jade Fiducio uh, here in Miami uh, for, for very generously sharing your insights and expertise uh, with us. So you can find further details about our guest, Miami Global Net and EACC Florida in the podcast notes. Please check EACC Florida's website for upcoming programs and information on how to join and subscribe to Miami Global Net to find out more about Miami's international community. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alejandro. Thank you, Christina.